Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Hardly Kayfabe. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your three hosts, alongside, as always, my man Johnny Townsend. Hello, hello. And Chris Chavez. What's up, everyone? And we are back here for Harley Kayfabe. Excited to be back. Got a new episode. Lots to talk about this week. Uh, yeah, a lot of groundbreaking. Well, not, I'm not going to say groundbreaking, but pretty breaking news at the very least. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Yeah, the psycho, the psycho Sids are, uh, are going crazy, guys. They're going wacko. They're, they're going psycho. <laughs> it must be uh, it must not be softball season because they're all over the place. <laughs> what do we got up first? What's 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 I, going on? I say let's update a thing we've kind of been talking about, and that's the uh, Luke Harper and what they're in Sasha Banks to this because she's kind of a part of it now. Yeah, uh, their contract thing. They both apparently had asked for their the release. Well, we know for a fact that Luke Harper did. Um, and from all intents and purposes, from the sounds of it, they were not granted those. Uh, and from what I understand, according to the Psycho Sids that I saw, Luke Harper, they're pretty much going to pay him just to sit out. Which really? is interesting. Yeah, yeah his con- his contract ends in November, too. So it's a lo- it's going to be a long, long time to sit, which is uh, it's very horrible, unfortunate. Dude. Yeah. yeah, I know. And, and is, it, is it one of these things where he's not allowed to go elsewhere or, or do any appearances at indie shows or anything like exactly. that? Exactly. Oh, yeah, yep. probably. Yes. Yeah, what, oh, my under- God. So this dude just not supposed to do anything at all. They're, they're, uh, away for- they're afraid. Well, I'm putting words in their mouths, but this is the reports I saw. They're They're afraid that he's the type that somebody, cough, cough, AEW, cough, cough, would love to scoop up. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Jim Ross, I heard him, he was in an interview, because, you know, he's a big-time AEW now, and uh, he was discussing that uh, they're looking for some top talent that are, like, in their 30s, running that age, because uh, they'd be really good, not only because they're a good hand, they're really good at wrestling, but also uh, they'll really help the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. and I think Luke Harper would excel at that. I mean, not only is he amazing in the ring, uh, but, you know, you couldn't, I mean, I would assume that he's really good to learn from, too. Oh, I, oh, he is. Yeah. I mean, I can attest to that personally, uh, that he is a great teacher for the young guys paving the way. Uh, he still has big ambitions, I'm sure. You know, I mean, we see guys like uh, Christopher Daniels and and uh, and many others going well into their, like, there, I think some forties now, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. November is a, it, it's seemingly forever away, uh, but I I don't understand. I'm not exactly sure how the payment schedule works or how it works for them. I for for the longest time, I always believed it was per match. I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know. Like, if he's actually sitting home gaining and having an income. Or not? What I what I saw is that the well, I, I'm assuming each contract itself can be different because I know people have different contracts. But uh, like Sasha Banks was was the example I heard. Like she can say she wants to sit out, right? And she would still technically be under contract, but she has some kind of thing in there where if she doesn't have matches, then they don't have to pay her. Type of deal. Ooh, right. But but they can extend her contract for as long as she sat out too. So, yeah, individual contractors my ass if that's the case, you know. They're in they're you know, they're indivi- they're <laughs> they're not employees, guys. We know this. They're just no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Spokes on a wheel, as the great CM Punk once said. <laughs> oh, uh, did you see that too? That he, uh, the rumor is he was he got under a mask and did a GTS at some local wrestling show. Yeah, oh, I but, heard about that. What do you guys think of that? A bunch of people dissected it. They said he threw it on the wrong the the side that he didn't throw it on with WWE, but it was his body type, and I don't know, just too many. Too he many was arrows, covered, are, obviously, right? We, yeah. Or else we'd have seen those tattoos. His Pepsi right. tattoo. Yeah, he's fully covered. <laughs> I like the uh, the kayfabe news article right after they were saying uh, they they did a kayfabe news thing. It was like was CM Punk uh, dressed up as Kalisto in the the rest of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <amazing>. so good. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's just way more sad. For, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the Sasha situation is horrible for her, but the the Luke Harper one is even worse because if they're not even going to use him, then he's he. You know, yeah. he wants to wrestle. He just wants to wrestle. I feel like they each have a. Di- it's different for each of them too, because like for Sasha, it feels like she's just being kind of like a a, a bratty kid throwing a tantrum. You know, right. well, because they got I, I didn't it, you know, the story's not going the way I want it to go and we couldn't hold the belts as long as we are. And now I'm being split up from Bailey. I, I want to leave. I don't want to do this anymore. Whereas Harper has a legit grievance like he's just not being used. He's healthy. He can go. There's no reason they didn't bring him back. They bring uh, what's of Rowan back just to what stand next to Daniel Bryan and be the, the big guy. You know, yeah, I mean? he's hardly wrestled at all. So I just I. I feel like Luke Harper has at least more ground to stand on when wanting to leave, whereas Sasha Banks, I can see them saying no, you know, like, give me a break. You're being a brat. Uh, you know, we have our, our thoughts. Whereas with Harper, it's just kind of like, hey, we'll, pop, we'll we'll keep you kind of working. We'll put you on house shows and we'll put you at NXT, but you're not going to be on TV. Right. I, I mean, it's it's cause I, I, I honestly think that Harper would kill to be in Sasha Banks position right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. I think where he would love to be on TV whether he's jobbing out or not, have the opportunities that she's getting. So it does seem kind of bratty. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look no. for her. If she if she has to come back, she's going to get absolutely buried on television. Oh, I think Absolutely so, buried. Yeah, it's her situation is really weird because if we're being fair and honest, we don't know the exact, the actual real true things. We only know what other people are saying uh, of what is actually went down when it came to her and all this whatever you want to call it, this mess. Right. And, but it really, to me, the way every time I hear somebody talk about it, it comes off and I don't want us to lose any fans that we already have, but it comes off like a CM Punkish to me. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to CM Punk, who I do like, we, but we have fans. Well, I mean, I listen to us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess it's got to count for something. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those few downloads. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, cause I mean, back in, gosh, it's been what, like eight or nine years almost now, it seems when CM Punk kind of did something very, seemed very similar where they were going to go in a direction he didn't like, he's going to have to wrestle somebody mm-hmm. he didn't want to wrestle, that type of deal. Uh, like I understand getting frustrated. I, I mean, I get it, but right. Like there's, a, there's going to be a time if you let people have full creative control of their characters, it's not always a good thing. Uh, you know, that's kind of what killed WCW. One of the things, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent, it was. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm not going to sit here and say that WWE has a good idea of what the character should be because it's obvious that they they don't. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I like what's her issue? I mean, does she really just want to quit because they had to drop the t- tag titles? 
I mean, was that it? I don't know. That's how that's how it comes across, man. Yeah. That she just didn't like at all with, with their with the direction they were going. Because obvi- I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Because uh, the superstar shakeup has gone on over the past couple of weeks, and you know, is this something that you know? Let's let let's you know we're gonna we're gonna talk talk for real here these guys already know ahead of time which brand they're going to or is it legit a last minute thing where vince just kind of tells them all right you're here tonight and that's this is where you are well the su- it could uh, yeah it could it could very easily depend there, there are some situations where they actually like work the wrestlers in, in that capacity Ugh. i mean i'm sure some of them um maybe this one might not have been as yeah, words. I feel like I feel like with Sasha and Bailey, there was there was you know actual conversations, sit downs, talking about this is where we're going to go with you guys. This is you're going to have to drop the title here because we want to split you guys up. They had to have had that. It can't be a surprise thing, and that's why it feels like this is coming. This is where this a lot of this brattiness is coming from is in response to. I I right. I want to I want to agree with you, and I think overall you're right. But there's definitely. 100% been times where Vince just changes his mind. I mean, that's been documented. He just changes his mind oh, yeah. in the middle of something. I mean, I mean that's why Road Dogg stepped down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, on top of that, just look at this, this shakeup that we just had. It should have been done the week before, but this last past week we still had more of it happening. That they still yeah, was switching a, people over. Weird. Yeah. Well, I, I heard I heard the ru- the rumor the psycho Sid was the reason that they did that uh, was they wanted to kind of keep people who were. Uh, legit couples together sort of thing. They didn't want to split them apart. I saw that with uh, with Alistair and Vega. Yeah, because Alistair and Vega are married, RRL. And uh, Charlotte and, um, uh, gosh, Almas are together. Uh, yeah. So there's all kinds of things like that. They want Which is kind of weird because didn't WWE for the longest time just want to split them up? <laughs> they did. Yeah. It's the, They're trying to be a little bit better yeah. from that standpoint. Because um, I think they've had a lot of controversies over the last like couple years with infidelities with couples, whether it be no. you know on <laughs> roster one one on you know somebody else. Like they, I think that's what they're they're trying to go for. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I think the next thing we need to talk about is this Undertaker uh, being pulled uh, and Kurt Angle and Kurt Angle yeah. from uh, yeah. Starcade Two. It doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good at all. It looks, it really looks like. I mean, they're giving the spotlight to AEW. When I mean, Starcast isn't one hundred percent tied to AEW. We know there's an affiliation. Right. Uh, it's one hundred percent affiliated, but, though. I mean, they're definitely right, under the, the same thing. Uh, and the idea that that the the response from the E is to to do something like this instead of just saying, you know what, let Taker make his money. Uh, you know, he's not wrestling for them. He's doing an appearance. It's whatever. Uh, it, they're really put, helping put a spotlight on AEW. It's making it look because when you see a, a bigger corporation start to act nervous, then you start to say, "Well, this other thing. Why is it so? Why is it making them so nervous? There's got to be something to this." So they're only really adding to a, the AEW's mystique before they even kick off. Yeah, and it's also not helping that uh, Conrad Thompson, who's kind of doing the whole Star Wars cast too. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was on the Taz show recently, and uh, he told the whole story of how this happened like he oh what did he say he he had under, he originally had undertaker and Shawn michaels booked like it's that was his original too and Ooh. uh like he even had them paid he had he had forwarded money and all this stuff like he has all these records that he'd done all this had him under contract for this thing that's why it was a major deal that undertaker was going to do this uh i mean he was on their website for crying out loud but uh, uh it wasn't too long after that where he kind of inked some deal with wwe too and then WWE reached out to Conrad Thompson and said, 
uh, we're not going to have him do this. He can't do this. Yeah. And then after that, they said, but we'll give you a suitable replacement was the words. And so he goes, okay, all right, well then give me Vince McMahon. <laughs> he legit asked for Vince McMahon. And they said, that is no. amazing. He asked for triple H and they said, no, Dude. he asked for Shawn Michaels again. And they pretty much said, no. Uh, so as of right now, there is no replacement. He, he flat out said, he goes, he doubts they'll actually even send somebody to replace them. No, that's, it's so messed up. And that's making me like, I don't know, this past couple months, they have made me like, not like, as a fan of everything that goes on behind the scenes, like infuriated with how they do business. And like, that's, that's fucked up. Excuse my language, but that's fucked up. Uh, It's it's even worse because they already had the contract. Yeah, that's what's worse. What what happens with that? He just had to drop twenty five thousand dollars on the Undertaker. God knows how much on Kurt Angle. Uh, And then I I will say, I will say, and this is not making it any better. But they did, quote unquote, pay him back his deposits. They did. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, still, if you know, as but still, that lost a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, as a promoter, I'd be embarrassed. Oh, he you was know, upset. Like, like, Conrad was definitely upset. Uh, he, he should be. I like how I'm using him by his first name, like we're friends. Uh, but <laughs> he, uh, I mean, like that's only that's his reputation. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, we're like, for example, we're we're running this this convention thing here in Niagara Falls in a couple months, and if if I had you know booked someone very prominently, who I knew was going to get asses in in the door to 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 go watch record a podcast. And that person bails. I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm screwed. Yeah. You know, I'm in a I'm in a rough spot. You know, it's and we're it's talking a deep, somebody of, of Undertaker and Angle uh, stature yes. too. Not yes. just like I mean, we're not talking Virgil. <laughs> no, no, you're you're 100 right. I mean, there's nothing bigger in the wrestling world than Undertaker. I would love, I would love if Undertaker acted like Virgil and forced you to buy his eight by tens. I would love if WWE sent Virgil as that, oh <laughs> that suitable God. replacement. The equivalent. The equivalent. <laughs> Apparently, security at every show, the WWE show, still harasses anyone trying to wear an AEW T-shirt. They're told they have to remove it or they can't come in. And if they're and if they're caught wearing it underneath, like taking the shirt off, you know, when they get in, or putting it on when they get in, they're they're told they have to remove it, or they they have to be they'll be kicked out. Which is doing nothing but helping AEW seem more legitimate. That's my point. Yeah, that's yeah. my point, dude. It's making me not want to watch their product anymore. When you're like when you're like that, I, I mean, I get it. You have your own brand and whatnot, but like, could you imagine if they tried this in the '90s, banning no. NWO shirts? No way. Could you imagine WCW would have won the war? Yep. Yeah, because I, you would have made, I, you would have I, I made the say, other one. I want to say you're right, but you know, you know who was behind the scenes at WCW. <laughs> well, <laughs> they kind of yeah. they kind of screwed themselves over. <laughs> but I'm I know what sure, you're saying, though. Sure. You're what, what you're saying. You're right in spirit. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 nuts, dude. I, I don't know. And you were saying, you know, it makes you not want to watch it. I'll tell you honestly, a lot of their creative decisions recently make me not want to watch them. Um, you know the whole culmination with Becky winning the two belts, cool. But now they're just they're. It feels this. She feels kind of like she's lost her fire. I don't know if you because she's on there the all the time. She's on every show. Uh, yeah, it's Becky two belts, which I like that name. That's a that's a great name. But right, I mean, literally on the upcoming pay per view, she's wrestling twice. I think for both. Really? Yeah, for both belts. That's why they made it sound. Okay. 
that's just weird. And that's dude. too See, much. That's what I'm saying. The, the creative is, is really weird with me. Um, I know we discussed – well, actually, we discussed this on a Lost episode. Uh, we actually haven't had a couple episodes out because one of them we lost, and uh, no matter what – that whatever it was you sent me, Johnny, for some reason, it didn't work. I couldn't I couldn't get the audio to work. So we, we haven't had an episode in a couple weeks. Um, so I don't know if we really touched on – what was going on with the War Raiders, but that's just a, like another example of complete mismanagement and mishandling of, of, of talent and creative. Uh, you have a team that's amazing, War Raiders, that have been killing on NXT, uh, killing at you know NXT takeovers, and then when they're brought up, they were called the Viking Experience, and I re- everybody was like, what the hell, right? No, everybody a was week like, later, yeah. they changed the name again. Because I knew the original name was, you know, like something you'd see at a theme park. So now it's the Viking Raiders. Yes. Yes. And did did the Psycho Sids say why there was so why why the change in the first place? Because everybody like, hated the legit that legit reason. The, the legit reason. Oh, you mean for the very first time? Yes. I, the what I heard was Vince just wanted to be the one who named it. That's, I mean, that's kind of how oh, it sounded God. to me. Good God. So it's like a dog that has to pee on every tree. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get, say, I get it like, from the standpoint of if he creates it, then he can copyright it, and it's officially his no matter what. But, I mean, Vince, man, uh, better name, come on. Viking experience. <laughs> <laughs> Though I did like Mick. Must be this high to wrestle. I did like that Mick Foley has said something on Twitter about, and he goes, well, he goes, I'm not trying to take up for them, but technically Mankind wasn't the greatest name either. I mean, but he owned it, dude. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. I don't know how you could own something like Viking Experience. But my point is, is is that it's this. It's this kind of mismanagement and mishandling of creative that's really starting to kind of – like I, I can't tell you how much in the past few weeks when I'm watching Raw or SmackDown that I'm kind of watching a lot of it on Fast Forward. Yeah, same, same. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things – that kind of caught my eye, and I would stop and watch like uh, the Bray Wyatt thing, which kind of took the internet by storm, uh, and the Kevin Owens thing, which literally everyone knew was going to happen, but I, but you know it happened. Yeah. Uh, but the cyclist- so speaking of the let's go- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say let's kind of get into those. Uh, yeah, yeah. So speaking of that, the Bray Wyatt thing. What was your guys' thoughts on that, Matt? When you saw that, what was your thoughts on that? I uh, didn't know how to take it at first, but I knew it was the next evolution of the Bray Wyatt character, and yeah. we weren't going back to Sister Abigail or any of that stuff. Um, I like it. It's a, it's a sort of a psychotic Mister Rogers. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's a, I think it's a, it, it it works good. I think it works really well, to be honest with you. Uh, it's gonna take a while for people to truly, truly get into. Um, you know, it might even be a while before he starts to like get in the ring. Probably, you know, it, it could be a while for that. But he looks bulked uh, up, though, don't he? He definitely looks. He like does. He, he looks up. in great shape. Yeah, great shape. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. If, when I first saw it, I was like, "What? What are they doing?" And then I watched it again, and I was like, "I, I'm kind of digging this." <laughs> uh, and then I saw somebody. Uh, had written some story. I don't remember which Psycho Sid it was, but had written some story that um, they had a theory, like it was like an opinion piece, and the theory was that uh, this is an evolution, like you were saying, from his original character. I mean, he even cut his original character in half on the thing, but uh, that it's it's like he's it's like a man who's kind of kind of battling who he is inside type of deal. 
He's, he's you know he's fighting with himself sort of like he's wanting to be this really good guy mm-hmm. but that's not who he is <laughs> right i yeah. saw i saw something saying that we're going to the, the the director that was behind the uh, the firefly funhouse said that the one that fans are going to be caught off guard with what's coming next so hmm. uh i wonder what that means well they got to be happy with how much traction they got i mean that trended in, trended in everything so Oh yeah. yeah! Did you see the shirts though? I think that trended for the wrong reasons. No. Did you see the shirts they put out for it? No, I didn't. No, no. Okay, it's a red T-shirt with the picture for the fun house, the Firefly Funhouse. It literally looks like something that somebody did at uh, you know, at at the at the mall. It's insane. Check it out on the website. People were talking about it over the past few days on Twitter like crazy. Like, really? What is this? So much so that even Bray Wyatt tweeted something as a joke, and it was just a solid black shirt, and it said the next show, the next Funhouse shirts or whatever it was, official <laughs> Funhouse shirts. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny. I was like, hmm, that's not a good. I mean, that's not a good reason to be trending. No, not necessarily. Uh, yeah, he probably ripped on it a little bit, but it is good. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a brand new route for him to take. Yeah, to- it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't see this character winning a world championship just yet. Maybe <laughs> you ever. Know, I think you. A lot of people would have said that about McFoley and Mankind too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that that nutso kind of character. Like you never would have looked at that and thought, okay, he's got at some point he's going to be the face of the company carrying the belt. And I was just I just saw the shirt, <laughs> the red one. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> get you- I get it. Like <laughs> why. Just make the shirt blue, and you don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh man, it's, it's pretty. Amazing, it's pretty huh? funny. <laughs> um, it's pretty much Unless it's, it's, it's like, purpose. You know what I mean? It looks like one of those things. You remember, you used to get those things uh, where you could iron on a picture to your shirt. Yes, that's exactly yes. what it looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, Unless it's supposed to be that way. Unless that's on purpose. You know what I mean? It might be, for all we know pretty funny so i'm pretty excited I'm, I'm i've been a bray wyatt fan and i've been very saddened by his fall from his the heights he was at he was near the top at one point and he was at the top at one point yeah and the, <laughs> for like a month <laughs> and then he was then he was nothing pretty much but uh man that uh that lake at mount hardy's does some wonders don't it <laughs> the lake of reincarnation I mean, again, yeah yeah it's a little bit better than the the waters of Lake Minnetonka, but you know. <laughs> but we'll take it. And I think the other big news that happened this week on wrestling happened on SmackDown. Unless you got, oh yeah, and I, I, that's of course the Kevin Owens turning on the New Day, which we saw coming. Yeah, I mean everybody. I mean he literally turns on everybody he's best friends with. So we all knew it was going <laughs> to um, happen. Yeah, Matt and I had a chance to talk about this a little bit, and I was saying like I really would have felt that I I I I wish they would have gone a little longer with this, maybe two or three more weeks, like really dig in that maybe Kevin turned a new leaf, you know, maybe even play with a with a weird idea that Big E's feeling ousted and might start something with the new day, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and then have Kevin Owens turn that would have been great because um, we saw this coming. But uh, you know, whatever. It's Kevin Owens, man. We want to see him heal. We don't want to see him dancing around with with uh, the new day, even though it was fun. Yeah, I I did see on the Psycho Sids that originally he was going to keep being a babyface. He was going to be like the guy next door you could kind of goof off with, but then kick butt if he needed to, type of thing. Right. Uh, which you could tell he was leaning that way at first. But uh, but you know, with all these injuries they've had, I mean, a lot of their heels are injured. I mean, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan got injured. 
just to name one, uh, that they felt that they needed to turn him heel quicker because they needed to have somebody feud with Kofi. Hmm. Uh, you know, bring Harper over. <laughs> there you go. That's what I would have done. Exactly. We're just maybe biased, maybe though. we don't know anything. We're not WWE creative. We don't know shit. That's maybe true. have yeah. Rowan come out. You know, <laughs> even with Daniel Bryan out, have Rowan come out and and you know say maybe you know that's how we bring Harper back is 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 with Rowan being solo again. Yeah. And then they they you know start to mess with the new day and go after Xavier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't well, know. Whatever. Whatever. We don't know anything. No, we're done. We're dumb. We're just stupid marks. Yeah. Yep. We, we don't do a podcast we don't, about wrestling. We don't understand stories and no. storyline. Nope. No. We just we just mindlessly watch the Character TV freaking 10 hours a week <laughs> and we don't we don't know anything. We well, I go anything. I go a little faster since I speed through it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what that guys, I am looking forward to when there's an announcement for AEW on TV because I think I'm going to start uh, you know, that's probably where I'll be watching a lot of my wrestling on TV. Yeah, same. I think a lot Did of... Did you say they got, uh, they got Gold Dust? Yes. Yes. They actually, yes. Let, pretty sweet. They actually let him have his release, at least. They did do that. Yep. I think uh, his contract was supposed to come up, though. I think it was, it was. coming up regardless. It was. But yeah. 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 Uh, but it was, yeah, it looks like that's that uh, at their next pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, that's who Cody Rhodes will be facing uh, is his brother. So that should be interesting. They faced off before in the E, right, when it was Goldust and Stardust? I don't think they, they did an individual match. Um, I think they had a spot in a Royal Rumble match before, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. a full a singles match. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's be interesting, man. It'll be fun to watch that one. That's It's kind of like one of those, um, you know, uh, it's the draw. It's one of the draws, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think if uh, you love wrestling and you know those two's history, uh, that'd be something you kind of look forward to. Yep, yep. Anything else on the Psycho Sids we need to address before we move on? No, I did want to say. Oh, I mean, I, I did want to say really quick. I am looking forward to the upcoming uh, Universal Championship bout at Money in the Bank between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Yeah, that should be yeah, good. That'll be fun. Yeah. They should. It should be. They did a yeah. They did a little bit on Raw this week. Two triple threat matches and then a finals match, which I was like, <laughs> really? AJ Styles and Baron Corbin. Dude, I'm glad you brought that up because I was telling Johnny about that. So the show starts right. Raw starts, and uh, Michael Cole, <laughs> Renee, uh, Corey. They spend the first five minutes explaining the fact that we're going to have two triple threat matches and the winners of those matches are going to fight. They show us the graphics as to who's going to be in it. And then they give it away because here comes triple H, right? So he comes down to the ring and then here comes Seth Rollins. And then here, then they proceed for the next 22 minutes to have every single wrestler who's going to be involved in these triple threat matches come out. It was already like, to me, that was such a waste of, the first half hour of the show. There was no wrestling for the first 25, 30 minutes of the show. None. Zero. Zero wrestling. Because they spent the time introducing the people that had already been announced in the first five minutes of the show. Does that make any sense? Uh, the, no. Ain't that what they do all the time <laughs> anyway, though? I feel like. My no, God, but if. It's so annoying. It does not make any sense, but if you rewind to about three minutes and 30 seconds ago on this episode, um, we don't know shit. We know nothing. <laughs> if you'd like to use the time infinity stone, you can go back three and a half minutes and, and hear my, my answer to this. <laughs> I feel like I want to go back and, and get those 22 minutes back. That's what I'll use the stone for. There you go. 
but yeah, was, I'm glad you brought that up because again, I just had to throw that out there. That's one of my my uh, my bitches about the, the the E recently and their creative decisions. Yeah, it's it was silly. I mean, oh, it, it's just a cool six man number one contenders match where it did fine. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, Baron Corbin, he's riding high from that Kurt Angle. Uh, you know that Kurt Angle rub that he got at WrestleMania, and then, and then he jobs out. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's like, I mean, I get it. It's AJ Styles and 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 whatnot. Yeah. That's that's the money match. I I I I would say, but it feels like um they are kind of listening to, you know, fans of wrestling nowadays in regards to not really caring about whether it's heel or face. They just want to see good wrestlers wrestle each other. You know, that's the best way to go about it. It's like, who do you choose on this one? You know, because they're both faces. They're both considered, you know, the the two top faces in the in the company right now. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they were both. Yeah. On top SmackDown and Raw the last year or so. So this should. Uh, so, yeah. This should be a very uh, should be a good bout. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do. I don't know if they've wrestled singles before, maybe on the indies at some point. I, actually, I don't even know. I don't even know. So I feel could, like they did in the indies. I think I read somewhere that they had they had faced off before. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it'll be cool to see you know see and hear about it from a little yeah. bit more mainstream. But exactly. Uh, yeah. That's all they got, though. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's about yep. it for the uh, the psychos, huh? Yeah. I think it. so. All right. So you guys want to take a break before we come back and talk about our next topic? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's 7.30 at night, and usually you wouldn't mind walking home, but it's the middle of winter, so at 7.30 at night it gets a lot darker than it does in the summer. You're scared. The street's pitch black. There's only one light, and it's at the end, near your house. You can't help thinking that you're being followed, that someone's behind you. That something's, someone is whispering something into your ears. Telling you something creepy, something horror, something about real life that you can't explain, that they can't really explain. But apparently there is a way too. Something that sends chills to your bone. Something that makes you think, maybe I should sleep with the light on tonight. You know what that thing is? The History Creeps Podcast, brought to you by the BICBP Network. And we're back. We are back. Better than ever. (laughs) And uh, we've got a kind of different topic today. We're not going to really go in depth on a wrestler or a specific match uh, or an era. Uh, Johnny, what was it that you wanted to talk about today? Well, we can kind of incorporate arrows to this really because they did evolve yeah. over time uh the finishing move a wrestler's finishing move finishers i just wanted to kind of let's discuss them which ones uh, over time have we loved uh which ones do we think are maybe the most devastating you know that that type of deal uh, well let's start here let me ask you guys uh your opinion what is the most iconic finisher in all of wrestling oh boy which one is the one where it's like yes obviously like because if you ask me, I would say Undertaker's Tombstone. So I was, really, I was going to go Stunner. It was was my first thought. 
Uh, See, Stunner's like right up there with maybe number two. As as much as I hate to admit it, you know, people have done that. Many people have done the Tombstone. Many people uh-huh. have done the Stunner. Nobody, <laughs> well, one other person is a is a is a joke. Uh, did the people's elbow, which I think is the, I mean, worst, like from an effective standpoint, but iconic wise, <laughs> yes. everybody know the people's elbow is coming. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. When he starts pulling off that, that elbow, the, yeah. the, 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 the whatever you call that, I can't think of it right now. Elbow pad, yeah, little elbow, elbow pad yeah. sleeve. Uh, yeah, I love the stunner. I think it gets overdone sometimes and not used effective, like as effective as it should be. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, John Cena used to hit like this jumping like stunner thing. Yeah, uh, it's like a springboard stunner, but he wouldn't finish guys off with it, and it, like it almost cheapened it for me, which should never happen with a with a move to that magnitude that has been historically yeah. used as and, you know as much as it has, but. But that's kind of where we are in wrestling now, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, oh, God, it's the worst, dude. I hate when you see a finisher nailed and they and it's it's almost like it did nothing. Like I get if what the story is is that you know you see the finisher put down on the face and we come so close to a third count and then he barely is able to get an arm up. I get that. Yeah. you know what I mean. But the ones where they it seems to not phase them at all, or when they even no sell them, it's come. It's kind of like you've destroyed that the the mystique behind that stunt that. That finisher. Yeah. There's no yeah. point using it anymore. Yeah, I really I've really gotten to where if there's a pay per view match, I'm already gonna suspect we're gonna see each wrestler's finisher and they're gonna kick out of each other's finisher no matter what. Yep. Uh, Always. I hate it. I hate it. Like you should save that for when it's a major thing. Like it should be just done maybe once every so often and it should be a big deal. Oh, you mean I like agree. the Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar match at WrestleMania? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah. So uh, let's let's go old school first, guys. Like, what is what are some yeah. of your favorite old school finishers? Like, I gotta, I have to say that Jake the Snake DDT is one of my all time faves. Oh, love it, love it. The slap to the back before he drops down every yeah. time. You you know it's coming. It's almost like get ready, smack. Here we go. And I assume it's just letting the person know that he's about to do it, right? Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a courtesy thing. Uh, here, Chris, you go first. That. Um, I've always loved uh, Macho Man's elbow. Love, yes. love, love yeah. the elbow off the top turnbuckle. Got to tell you, love Kyrie Sane's version of it as well. Hers is so insane looking nowadays, but old school, it was always ma- Macho. I always loved that. Just you knew it was coming, and it was oh, and the way he pulled himself up. You know who does it? Um, the way he does is Velveteen Dream. Yes. Every time he's yeah. pulling himself up, he always looks like Macho Man, where he's just so freaking tired and everything <laughs> it takes just to get to that top turnbuckle, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I uh, When it comes to old school for me, I mean, I think like 60s, 70s, uh, more oh, so holds. Yeah. That's what I typically think of. I mean, one of the bigger strike ones back then was the heart punch, right? That was one of the, the, the bigger f- finishing maneuvers back then. But, uh, I mean... Andre used like a, a butterfly suplex, like that was one of his finishers. And but I've always been a, a traditionalist as far as like finishers go. Like something as simple as a Boston Crab or a Figure Four leg lock, they had a pair more often than not nowadays. But those are that's kind of what I what I prefer to to see. It, you know, back in those days, yeah, sure the the big jumps, you know, the big jumps off the top rope, or you know, a big strike or power move, you know, got a big pop, but. Uh, when I think old school wrestling, I think more of that catch can style 
submission yeah. holds. And what about uh, the Von Erich claw? The claw is a perfect example Remember of that, that one. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's. There's been some other ones. I mean, depending on how old school you go, a lot of those finishers from the '70s and '80s and and before that are just commonly used today. Like the Russian leg sweep was once a finisher. Yeah. Uh, atomic drop. I think. I think Brutus used a variation of it as as a finishing maneuver. Uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No, wasn't Hulk Hogan's leg drop his finisher? Yes. His le- leg drop was his finisher, yeah. Big boot leg drop combo. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then uh, the racist remark after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. Uh, what about... Um, What's his name? He used to be with Davy Boy Smith, the other one, uh, part of the British Bulldogs. He used to do that that headbutt off the uh, top top turnbuckle too. Remember that diving headbutt? Well, I can't think of his name. Oh, speaking of, I can't think. Dynamite of Kid, Dynamite, yes. Dynamite Kid. Thank you. Speaking of uh, British Bulldogs, I always loved the British Bulldogs power slam. His running power slam. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always liked it. I don't know why, because it's really just a power slam, but just the way he did it was, I thought was great. Um, so let's go. Let's go. Golden Age eighties. Like, what are what are your favorite WWF wrestlers or, or WCW wrestlers finishers from from the eighties? Got to throw in a Spinebuster, right? Oh, oh yeah, the Arn Anderson yes. Spinebuster, one hundred percent. Yes. Uh, how about Sting and Bret Hitman Hart's uh, Sharpshooter slash Stinger? Uh, what is it? Scorpion. Scorpion Deathlock. Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Pile Driver was that- big in the eighties. Yeah. Pile driver was real big in the age. A lot of people did it. Jerry Lawler did it. Uh, I think uh, there was a few others. I think Mc, when Mick Foley was wrestling in the 80s, yeah. he kind of used that the frequently Texas as well. Pile driver. Yeah, he yeah. also yep. did this really cool uh, elbow off the rope onto the onto the outside of the ring. Yeah. That was also his other finisher that I really liked yep. during that time. What about yeah. Undertaker's old school uh, tightrope walk? Remember that? And he just came down on... on uh... What did he come across the arm or something? The shoulder. Yeah, he what like, was he doing? Looks like he clothesline jumped off and clotheslined. That's what the it was. Back shoulder him. area, and they put him down. Just you know, that was always pretty cool. Uh, let's see, '80s finisher. I mean, back in the '80s, Shawn Michaels' finisher was just that a, was a it was a back. It was just a back suplex. Uh, he'd hook in the crotch area and just take you back, and that was it. I um, always liked the Rude Awakening too. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, when Rude it, Awakening was great. Yeah, and he, and swivel he, hips before. Yeah, he drops it was too. perfect. Like, like that's when somebody thinks of a finisher that fits the personality of the wrestler. Like that like one right there is. Plex. Yeah, that one. Yes, that's another good one. Yes, remember that. Yes, like these just fit who these wrestlers were. Uh, we can. I, let's kind of get into the little nineties a little bit. I think we have yeah. to throw in. Uh, literally, this guy got over because of his finishing move. Uh, DDP's diamond uh, diamond cutter, yeah, bang, but, right, right out of nowhere, yeah, bang! I freaking love that thing. And of course, Randy Orton's taking it to a whole new level. Yeah, but uh, they were kind of yeah, they did them a little different though, because Randy Orton usually kind of just uses one hand, right, one arm. Is he, he started off doing two. He started off doing yeah. two. Um, his is more of a, you know, I see Orton's as more of one that you can really take anywhere. Where DDP, it was like. I'm not going to say it was slow, but um, it took a while to get there. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of his his ways of getting into it, it, it took a little while where Orton can legit just hand it out anywhere. I still so, remember. I'm trying to remember what the match was, but he was wrestling somebody, 
and he was getting into a power bomb and he turned it into the diamond cutter. And yes, it I, was. I think it was Eddie. I think it was Eddie Guerrero. He oh, was it? Up, oh. set him up and he did like that overdrive thing where he he flips him to their side and then hit the cutter. I think it was Eddie. Uh, I could be very. I wrong just remember there. seeing that when I was younger, and I marked out. <laughs> <laughs> like that was to me was like at that time I hadn't seen anything near as cool uh, as until like when Randy Orton hit that one on uh, who was it was doing like a shooting star press. He turned into oh, that Evan Bourne. Yes, Evan Bourne. Yep. yep. So shooting star press. That's another good one. That's a. Uh, oh, uh, it was big. It was huge in the nineties. Yeah, huge in the nineties. Revolutionary. Uh, Taz mission was pretty cool. It was a very aggressive mm-hmm. style. Taz had some uh, very sweet move set. He did, and like really cool. But it, it, I don't know, just the way he was built and his demeanor just added a whole extra layer of, you know, just grit danger to, to it. it right? Yeah, yeah it, it danger. felt dangerous. You know who else was Chris Benoit, the Crippler Crossface. And and whenever you saw Chris Benoit wrestle, you for me at least, it always looked like like this guy, like. He doesn't seem like he's the nicest guy. Like he looks like he's out there to really sell it, so he's gonna hurt you. Well, we all yeah. know. Well, I don't, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I read uh, Jericho's book, the the second book, I think it was, uh, one thousand something steps to becoming a world champion, and he mentioned that Chris had like just legit just took out his frustrations on people so he probably That's, did want yeah. to kill people yeah uh, when, when they you were see in the him ring. throwing yeah you see him throwing down that 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 hold and you know it oh man and you were talking about those you know those some of those are the most effective are the holds you know yes those, uh, like the or even we i can't believe we forgot uh flair's figure four leg lock yeah but yeah, uh flair yeah, had dude, everybody did the figure four leg lock in the 80s and 90s <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was one of those things. But for Flair, he, he, he it was like he perfected it. You always saw it like the, that was his finisher almost. Yes, you, know? you always associate it with him. Uh, um, 90s Jericho had his sweet lion tamer uh, where oh, he dug the knee yeah. in the back of the head. He used that. He didn't very rarely used it beyond like when he got to WWF. Like he very rarely used that. But in the 90s when he was doing Mexico, WCW, ECW, mm-hmm. all that, he would just bury that knee in the back of the head and it yeah, looked cause he was devastating then. yes uh what else uh, who had the better frog splash rob van dam or eddie guerrero i always loved eddie's yes i, agree. I see i it's dep- i mean it depends eddie's had a great one too but i, I love the way that rvd would react to hitting the guy right he'd kind of bounce off and flip over where eddie was already kind of just tucked in and resting there I mean, that's just yeah. me, but, like, yeah, RVD would hit, and then he'd fly halfway across the ring. He would do that, and yeah. It, it did look off, and, that's right. And he'd always it, act like it hurt him more than it hurt the other person. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he sold was, it. He sold the devastation of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he did do that. Like, I didn't hate his. I just Maybe it's just my biasness of loving Andy Guerrero. But, could be. Yeah, Yeah, could be, could be. I got to tell you, I am not – what. so let me ask you guys. What kind of finishers do you feel are kind of lazy or you're not a fan of it? Ooh, I, I know one. I know one of Johnny's. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before. If it's a, just a some kind of punch, I'm just gonna hate it. <laughs> just the punch, the right. Really, punch. I yeah. like the strike. I like some of the strike ones. If they're strike ones punch. are fine, but if it's just a straight up punch, I'm just gonna hate yeah. it. Yeah, like the yeah. women's right or like yeah, I hate the, that. The, oh yeah, uh, women's special show. slap number two. The big shows <laughs> maybe even. I think big shows made me the most mad because I always loved his choke slam. Because uh, he'd always, you know, when he was in WCW and he was younger, his chokeslam was freaking amazing. Because he would actually even fall with the guy; he wouldn't just throw him down. 
and uh, that turned into a punch to the face. Now, don't get me wrong. If Big Show's big hand punched me in the face, I'd get knocked out. Uh, so I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a devastating maneuver, but it just, to me, just wasn't near as cool as a choke slam. Yeah. I, yeah. People's for elbow me, is the laziest one for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I always hated oh, the worm. that a spear could be used as a finisher. You remember what? Yeah. You remember? That made me mad, too, because Edge, uh, he had a couple really cool moves, but then he just dropped them all for the for the spear, and I hated that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the spear at all. I will say one spear that I'm okay with is when he speared Jeff Hardy off when he was hanging from the belt. <laughs> oh, that was sick. Because yeah. that was just a freaking amazing moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's... but to use it as a finisher for me, I'm like, yeah. really? What's the what's the? Fi- yeah, I, I, it's a I setup think, move. Yeah, setup move. I more think I think if it stayed within like with just Goldberg doing it right because yes. Goldberg legit killed people with it. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. I mean, that not was legitimately, but. But you know when you got like Edge, who's you know a smaller guy, uh, yeah. does it? It didn't look as you know it didn't look all that great. A few other people do it. Like I hate Batista's spear drove me nuts. Um, Roman Reigns uses it. Roman Reigns, you know he does it. Big Show had one for a little while. Used it for a little while. It was kind of cool. Um, you know the impact that he had from it. You know that that, that but, reminds me who had the pounce. Do you remember the pounce? That was Marcus Corvan or something like that. Cor, yeah. That almost reminded me of when that kind of what happened to uh, Anthony Gaines, sort of when he got knocked out of the ring. He did. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was specifically a pounce. Yeah, that's a, that was a better uh, version of the pounce. <laughs> <laughs> if all pounces were like that pounce, then I would fear the pounce. Uh, yeah, Marcus Corvan. He was Monty Brown in in TNA. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he made that he made that move pretty famous pounces pounces a cool move um i like it better than the spear that's me uh one of my favorite spears ever though is when <laughs> is when uh goldberg who i was a fan of at the time i still like goldberg because you know i was a 15 year old kid at some point uh when he speared <laughs> bret hart but bret hart and they both went down and they were unconscious this is one of my favorite wcw moments and then bret hart gets up and he takes off his shirt and he has on like his uh the shield he was wearing on his chest. It's one oh of the greatest God. things I remember seeing. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'll have to find that yeah. match. <laughs> I've seen that before. I don't yeah, think it was a match. Amazing. They were setting up a match, but it was freaking oh, great. I see. Okay. Yeah. Right before Goldberg kicked him into retirement. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Horrible, but horrible. I've always, okay. I've always, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, just favorite wise, it's it's always been it's always been the striking ones, the ones that can hit out of, hit out of nowhere. I think, you know, from a you know being an, a, an amateur wrestler, right, wrestling in high school, uh, and the logic behind uh, some finishing moves, some signature moves, it's like, wouldn't you anticipate getting out of that? Right. Like the fans see, like when John Cena starts his like five moves of doom shit with the, you know, the flying shoulder tackles and and all that. Like some guys, you know, wisely get out of the way, (laughs) but me like from amateur wrestling, like if I knew a guy did that, I know we we have to suspend disbelief, but if I knew a guy did that, I would avoid that (laughs) at all costs. Yeah. That reminds me. One of my favorite things that Samoa Joe will do is when a guy goes to the top rope, he'll just kind of move to the side when the guy jumps. Yeah. And it's because he knew that guy was going to do that. And I just love that. (laughs) Yeah. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you guys, of these three, which one is the best? The F five, 
John Cena's attitude adjustment or Lex Luger's torture rack? Ooh. If you had to pick of the three, which one's better? Uh, I'm going to have to say F5. Man. I'm going to have to say F5. I used to, I got to tell as a kid, I remember thinking the torture rack really looked painful. Like the dude's literally bending a guy over his shoulders and trying to snap him in half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, man, those are my only three choices. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> those, all three of them require pulling the guy up across the shoulders. I can't just throw in Velveteen Dream. I can't throw in Velveteen Dream's movie does like that. Oh, what's that thing called? What does he call it? It's called it's called something. I don't remember. But he actually rolls with it. And I like it a lot more. Yeah, that is actually pretty. Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, uh, Perry Saturns because he kind of did a thing like that at some point. There we go. <laughs> Mr. Anderson had or Mr. Kennedy, whichever one, he had a cool thing with this uh, fireman's career position. He used to do that that Green Bay plunge off the top rope. Yeah, that Kennedy. Was, uh, that <laughs> dude, he was my favorite for the longest time. And I thought that move was the coolest thing. I used to do it in the pool, like to like friends and stuff in their pools. <laughs> I just I thought that was the greatest move, and so cool. But of those original three, it'd have to be F five. Yeah, um, I gotta go F five. The attitude adjustment looks weak sometimes. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's and it, I mean it wasn't even one of Fred Durst's finishing moves and <laughs> and. Smackdown, just bring it. It was just a, it was just a, a regular basic move. So how can I, how can I appreciate that if Fred Durst doesn't finish guys off with it? Why the, why can John Cena just do it? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Speaking of Fred Durst, let's keep rolling, rolling, rolling. And uh, what about current, like today's wrestling? What are some of your favorite finishing moves today? I think was striking wise, I really like the Black Mass a lot. He can bring it out anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I like that, one. and it always looks great. Uh Let's see when Sheamus does. He does, oh, I guess he really doesn't do that bicycle kick anymore. He does it sometimes, but he doesn't do it near as much. Also, no. like, uh, and he and he doesn't do it hardly at all now. He just always like he's going to do it, but he never does. The muscle buster, Samoa Joe's muscle buster. Yeah, always love that move, uh, but he doesn't really do it anymore. I always like the choke out ones too. Those are always quick and out. You know the the uh, the sleeper holds or the yeah. Hokina clutch. Those types of moves. Um. Man, but today, let's see. Yeah, I think you nailed it with Alistair Black. That's probably going to be my one of my favorites. I'm trying to think. There's just so many. Like, there's probably like an hour long finishing moves video of just 2019 wrestling finishers. Yeah. My my right. absolute favorite of the ones now is because I remember when he first did it, and I and like I actually stood up when I first saw him do this move. Uh, because I hadn't really seen like a version of this move before like that, and that's Sister Abigail. Oh yeah, like where he kisses him on the forehead and then just yeah. you know turns and twists and smashes her face onto the mat. Yeah, so I really you like know, that move a lot. You know, if I have to pick one, it's my current like absolute current favorite. It'd have to be Daniel Bryan's running knee strike. Ooh. Yeah, I like that one too. Have to be. Yeah, and guys sell the shit out of it. Kofi yeah. sold it like magnificently a lot of times on, on that road to WrestleMania. But it's like I remember when he first did it. It was. Uh, it was at twenty. I think it was twenty thirteen SummerSlam when he beat John Cena for the title. He just broke it out, and that's everyone's like, "Whoa, that's it!" You know, that's his new finisher, and he started utilizing it. And it was just, it was cool. It was just cool the way he did it. Obviously, he's a heel now, so he doesn't do the yes chant before it. But 
Um, yeah, sweet corner setup and just rushing and just yeah. I mean, I've I've taken a knee to the face before, so I can I can kind of <laughs> relate to how that feels. I was going to um, ask you, man. I'm glad you said that. When you were wrestling, what were some of your finishing moves? Uh, my actual my first finishing move was actually the running power slam and that's when i was doing kind of an amateur wrestling style gimmick and mm-hmm. as like within months i did a it's a suplex it was a suplex into a like an, a cutter so what i would yeah i would just hoist the guy up and do a suplex and turn him into a cutter on the way back down um oh, that sounds cool I, it was pretty neat uh, i didn't see too many people doing it at the time and actually uh Oh, who suggested it? I can't even remember. My uh, one of my trainers suggested it to me, and I was like, "Yeah, why not? It's different. Nobody's doing it. It's cool." And yeah, it it, it worked. It worked. I used to do the flying elbow, uh, Macho Man's elbow, mm. off the top is kind of like a falsy, a false finisher. Like, yeah. Oh, I got him. I got him there. Um, but yeah, th- those are it. I. I I didn't like venturing out because, and this is kind of like inside stuff, but um, like on the independent level, a lot of guys like to change up their finishers on a regular basis. Like it, it's every time, every like, which is kind of cool, but at the same time, from a fan's perspective, if you know, if if you see something that's cool and you know you're you're expecting it, right? You're you're hoping that they do it mm-hmm. every every show you see them on. Yeah. Um and guys who change over the finishers every show that those fans are like they almost get left unsatisfied. Like I, I feel it like even when it comes to like just anything in life, consistency is, is the most important thing and people will follow you if you are consistent. And so that's why I try to keep that finisher uh close to my you know, close to just every time I I was going over in a match, that was what I would use because yeah, consistency. It was it was cool, it was it was unique and you know, it, people knew. People knew when I hit it, that was it. So, I like that. Uh, the other question I had before we finish out the show today, guys, is is there a finishing move that when you first saw it, uh, you marked out, you're like, well, that's the most amazing thing. But then when you kept seeing it more and more, it kind of, you kind of like, I don't know if I like this one anymore. Because <laughs> I have one, and mm. it might have surprised some people what it is. That I would say, I would say, I, I remember when the super kick was used very less frequently uh that was one of those ones that could catch you out of nowhere especially if it was done right yeah um you know sean michaels perfected it and he had a lot of men in the ring with him that that sold it well you know they didn't see it coming they literally turn into it so it was it was always this thing of like it came out of nowhere and sean michaels had a way of of being able to just throw that kick up in the air out of nowhere either if, if we think back to the the rockers when he turns on the rockers and nails marty Jannetty. um it's he literally just kind of is standing there and then brings his leg around and pops him in the in the chin. Uh, so for me, I'd always loved it. It's now it's to a point where it's one of those where it's kind of like okay, everybody's doing it. You know, how many times do the Usos do a super kick in a match? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right. Yeah, or the Young Bucks. I mean, and these are teams that I like, but I agree with you. Yeah. For yeah, me, yeah. for that um, that question, I would have to go Pedigree. To be honest Ooh, with you. Yeah. Uh, iconic, yes, but I. I don't know. I, it just it see like if you think about the the physics of it, you know, seen it over and over again that as I have for the last twenty or so years, it's kind of stupid. 
<laughs> it kind of saw, and it, it's like lost its luster, you know. And it, he did it within the last couple years, and it like nobody popped for it. It was just so like everyone was doing their finishers, and he did it, and it was just it just didn't feel natural, right? It just looked out of place. I think it was oh, I think it was that that championship ceremony right before Orton and Cena unified the belts in that TLC match or whatever it was. And it was just a, a big fiasco, and everyone was going back and forth. And he did the pedigree, and, like, nobody cared for it. Nobody, like, nobody popped, and it's just, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't care for it. <laughs> yeah. My, I'm going to surprise people, because I think people still pop for this move. Uh, the Canadian Destroyer. Oh. I remember Ooh. when I first saw, I saw P.D. Williams do it in TNA. And I was like, this is the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I mean, it's a flip into a pile driver for crying out loud. Uh, so that looks so cool to me. And then I started seeing other people do it, and I'd see him do it a bunch. And then I really started thinking about it. This is back when I was, I mean, I still am a giant wrestling nerd, but when I really st- would think about, you know, moves in a, in a match and, uh, like, how they would work and how these wrestlers make this stuff look so real, then I really started thinking about that move. And I was like, you know, that's a two-man move. Like, I can tell it takes both those people to perform that move. Yeah. Did you see Ricky Morton doing it at WrestleMania weekend? Yes. <laughs> and he looked amazing doing it? Yes. And he's like in his... How old is he now? He's like... He's 70s. He looks like shit. Yeah, yeah. And he he looked magnificent doing it, though. <laughs> he did. He did. I That's probably the best one I've seen in a while. But that's purely because of who's doing it, and I didn't expect it. Yeah. Uh, I get what you mean, because yeah. for me, it's it, that's, that's like the Frankensteiner. I remember when seeing that as a kid, the first time I ever saw uh, Scott Fr- pull off the Frankensteiner, I remember going, holy shit, the guy literally jumped up and flipped the guy over with his own feet. And then you realize yeah. as you get older, it does take the two-man to do it. And yeah. so anymore you see it, uh, it's it's almost like they have to go overboard. Like they have to catch you with a Frankensteiner off the top turnbuckle for it to, to really like pull, pull a pop anymore, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, the other one I was going to throw out there um, – is uh oh man my mind just went blank that's great oh yeah okay uh like one of my favorite wrestlers and i am not ashamed of this was rikishi i freaking loved rikishi <laughs> his dance and it, yeah well you know and then he had this move his finishing move was i don't remember what he called it the rikishi driver i think is what he just called yes it. yes but he put you on his shoulder and then he would just quickly sit down and it's almost like he's pile driving you and I flipping loved it, but then when I would start watching it, and I—I I, I mean, I got so nerdy in the wrestling that I would slow down. I'd put—I'd <laughs> slow mo finishing moves to watch them, and I was like, man, their head's not even coming nowhere near. <laughs> man, which it doesn't need to; it shouldn't. But I wasn't thinking oh. about that at the time when I was younger. You know, I was thinking about this should be a no. devastating move. But he would do it so quick if you just watch it in real time. You're like, oh my gosh! But if you'd slow it down, you're like, yeah, he's, that's probably one of the safest moves he could do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's like Taker's had like a few like obvious like not even close ones, but for the most part, Taker always he was smart. He tucked the head between the legs, yeah, and then go. So it was impossible to tell, you know, from a worked from uh, a kayfabe standpoint whether the guy hit his head or not. Yeah, uh, which which we all know now. Leg. We all know now that I would prefer them to obviously not hit their heads. But, oh yeah, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, her. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that ruined Austin's career pretty much. Is, yeah, is it that. did. So, uh, but yeah. All right, guys. This was fun. Yes, yes yeah. it was. I mean, I think... We, I think... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like a finishing move. We all ran out of the energy there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We're all done. We're out for the count. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Harley Kayfabe. For Matt Johnson, for Johnny Townsend, this is Chris Chavez. We'll see you guys later. See you guys next week. Uh, let's take it home, boys. One, two, three.